This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The 4th of July to you and yours out there. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats, Guerrero, and Myron Metcalf filling in. Thanks for spending part of your holiday with us. Full disclosure, this is my first time doing a show with Myron. I'm learning a lot about him, not only when we're on the air, but also in the breaks. Come to find out, not only do you dislike my taste in music, you're also a terrible texter. Yeah, I'm not good at it. You don't like when people send you long texts and you drop the K in response. I'm definitely that. I will definitely hit you with a K, sure, cool. You can call me. Like If you're going to send me an essay, call me. FaceTime me. Do something. Don't send me an essay text and now I got to sit there and read all, you know. Like, I didn't subscribe to your newsletter, okay? <laughs> Just tell me what you need to say, and we can go through, yeah, we talk about it, you know? Do you think that Dame Lillard texts K when Joe Cronin texts him from the Blazers? Probably, especially now, you know? Rachel, Cronin definitely seems like an essay texter. Our, our technical director, Rachel, shaking her head no. Why not, Rachel? I just, no, very different idea. Do you guys put periods at the end of your text messages? Yes. I use perfect I'm punctuation. I'm a punctuation person. Yeah, I'm a punctuation person. See, well, you're both wrong. Well, look, some of us have standards and some uh, of us don't. Yeah. Are you just doing a string of words? Is that your no, thing? No, you're no, no. Just... At the end of the, the text message, you don't put a period because it's the same as just being like, okay. Mm, no. It's not no, a nice that's... thing to do is what I've learned. Periods are bad? Like, you okay, can't at put the a period end of the, the text message itself. If you're just going to send the letter K... What's the point of punctuating it? Apparently, it's just an extra, like, here you go. Well, first of well, all, then you- I'm going to add two of them then because <laughs> I want you to know how upset I am by the fact that you sent me an essay in, via text. I just think you're both terrible people. Use punctuation. Don't we have standards as a society? All right. Enough of that. Let's get to the NBA. Yeah, talk. but if you're, if you're just saying K as in the letter K, you're, you're already setting the, the bar low. All right. Well, first of all, if you use just the letter K, you're a monster. Use the thumbs up thing. That's what it's there for. <laughs> I'm the monster. Yeah, that's and right. You just typed 1,500 words <laughs> in one text message, and I'm the monster. Okay. Well, we know you didn't read it. Okay. Why, why would you write it then? That's the question. We've gotten off the rails here a little bit on this Fourth of July. Like things have gotten off the rails for the Portland Trailblazers. Dame Lillard wants out. We're still waiting. For a trade to happen, a lot of people think it's going to be Miami, but according to our own Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN senior NBA insider, there could be one small problem with that. Portland, I'm told, is not impressed uh, with what Miami has to offer them. And while it is Damian Lillard's preference to go to the Heat, Portland has to get back a maximum value for Damian Lillard if they're going to trade him. And so certainly Miami, at the minimum, needs a third team uh, probably to take on Tyler Hero, and then they have those assets from that team sent on to Portland. Portland doesn't have interest in bringing in Tyler Hero. Their group already is built around young guards. And so I think for Portland, you know, they're going to take their time with this process you know, and start to build out what the best offers would be elsewhere. Uh, but when it comes to Miami, uh, I think for the Blazers, their focus is elsewhere on getting maximum value for Lillard. Are you buying that, or do you think that's just posturing by the Blazers? I think history tells me it's posturing, only because 
in the superstar era, era, every superstar gets their way. Anthony Davis uh, wore a That's All Folks shirt <laughs> when he was with the Pelicans. His agent is Rich Paul, same agent as LeBron James. All the signs are pointing to him going to L.A., and people are going, there's no way that the Pelicans are going to accommodate Anthony Davis and trade him to a contender like the Lakers. Who does Anthony Davis play for now? The Lakers. There's just no way Houston would send James Harden to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Are you kidding me? You're going to give up your franchise and let him call his own shot? James Harden went to Brooklyn. Kevin Durant, you're not trading him to Phoenix. Who cares what he wants? He's playing with Phoenix. So at the end of the day in the superstar era, top 10 guys can do whatever they want to do. And the challenge for Portland is – as much as I think that you can't accommodate any star, you got to think about the future of your franchise. No one's going to trade for Damian Lillard if they think Damian Lillard's going to be unhappy. So that's the challenge. Like if he's saying, I only want to go to Miami, I only want to go to Philly, you have to consider that because some other team, Damian gets there and he's not happy, well, they're going to have to trade him at some point. So these situations tend to work out in the player's favor, which means – Whatever they got to do, Damian Lillard's going to end up in Miami. That's why it doesn't matter that Dame doesn't have a no-trade clause because all he's got to say is, I don't want to be there, and that's just as good as you clearly yeah. explained. And, yeah, I think we've seen that guys end up generally where they want to be. And I'm going to say this, too. I don't care what kind of deal Portland thinks it's going to work out and all this stuff. If it's Miami or whoever ends up getting Damian Lillard, they're the team that's going to win this deal. If you go back and look at the history of deals, not only in the NBA, but even in other sports, the team that is trading for the known quantity, the superstar, almost always ends up winning that deal. Yeah, I mean, because you're building toward the future. I mean, we forget, man. A lot of people maybe haven't seen Scoot Henderson because he was in the G League. I've seen Scoot. Scoot is legit, man. And now you add him, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. There are other young pieces with Portland, and now you add to your depth. T- to me, stats, like Miami reached the finals because of their depth. And I'm trying to figure out how deep you can be if you add a Damian Lillard and you have to give up key players and all of the top role players who were available are now signed to other teams. There's a chance to me that Miami may get more star power but might be less equipped to make a run at the end of the day because they've surrendered all their depth. That's why you have to get a third team involved. You have to finagle away somehow to where you are not completely depleting the roster around your big names if you're Miami. I don't know if it I don't know who it would be. If it's like an Oklahoma City or somebody, you know, whoever has like a war chest of draft picks to make it enticing for Portland to make a move. Because otherwise you're right. You're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul if you gotta sell the store to get Damian Lillard. But I will say, I mean, things working out in Miami's favor. They just signed Josh Richardson, brought him back to Miami. Uh, If you watched Summer League yesterday, uh, my guy Jaime Jaquez, uh, a guy I know well and his family is great out to UCLA, he looked great in his Summer League debut. So maybe some of these young draft picks are going to be able to fill in those gaps. But you got to have some depth. Uh, And you're not going to give up Bam. So I'm sure if you're Portland, you're like, that's the guy we want. Portland may win long-term, but short-term, I think it's going to be hard to feel like you got the equivalent of a guy like Dame Lillard. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Rob Stats-Guerrera and Myron Metcalf talking Damian Lillard trade possibilities. 
888-729-3776 is the number. Give us a call if you want to weigh in. 888-SAY-ESPN. Ken is in Portland. Ken, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, first off, I agree with Myron. Texting, uh, well overrated. I'm all thin thumbs, and I like to talk to people. I don't want to spend a half an hour trying to compose a text. Um, <laughs> Thank you. First off, I've lived most of my life in Portland. I've watched the Blazers since I was a kid. And your, your trucker friend who was a caller or two ago wanted to know why didn't Joe Cronin do more to get Damian Willard some help? Um, several reasons. First off, we haven't had an owner since October of 2018. Paul Allen died, and it is owned by the Allen Trust. His sister runs the Allen Trust, and I really think she could care less about the Portland Trailblazers. And so it's been a, a, an organization that has been fairly rudderless for most of the last five years. Uh, second thing is, is our prior GM, Neil O'Shea, in all his um, self-employed glory, um, never liked to part with his own guys. He, if he drafted them and he chose them, he didn't like to give them up. He held on way too long to C.J. McCollum. We didn't need a second Damian Lillard clone. But he held on to them for way too long until we – and he gave big contracts, too. I mean, what is it, $39 million, $38 million to C.J. McCollum, who I think has never made an all-star game? So that's the second reason. Third thing is Portland – the only way that Portland can build is through the draft and through trade. And Olshay hamstrung this organization. He left the Blazers basically bereft of first-round picks. So Joe Cronin's been on, on the job since December 2021, and basically he had both hands tied behind his back. He had – and everyone in Portland loves Dan, okay? The game is a, is a super max guy, okay? He takes a sizable chunk of the money that's here. He's not going to give up his money in order to attract free agents to come here, and he, and he shouldn't because he's a great player – Everybody loves him. But you add all those things together, and Joe Cronin basically is sweeping up the shards of mess that Neil O'Shea left for him. Right. Well, thank you very much, Ken, for the call. I appreciate that. I don't have any sympathy. Like, that's the job, Joe Cronin. I don't know what you're left with and all that stuff, but you've got to figure it out. That's your only mission. Well, you have two missions as an NBA GM. Get a superstar and keep that superstar happy. That is it. So regardless of the circumstances, you got to find a way to get it done. Yeah, but your superstar has to be a superstar. And we toss that word around. Um, and while I think Dame is a really, really good player, superstar for me, Steph Curry, LeBron James, he wasn't at that level. He was really good. And last year he might have had his best season, averaging 32 a game. Um, but those guys have been able to carry teams to championships. As good as Dame Lillard was, as incredible as Dame time was, I don't think he was quite at that level. But they've had some good teams. And here's another factor, though, stats. Here's another thing that people don't consider when they think about either Dame Lillard and what he did or didn't do in Portland and what Joe Cronin did or didn't do. Even though they had some good teams. I mean, they had that 2018 team, I believe, where you had uh, you know, Roddy Hood was coming off the bench and McCollum, Ennis Cantor, they had some good guys. The rest of the Western Conference was getting much better. LeBron James decided to go to L.A. You had to deal with the Warriors, who were a legitimate dynasty. The Clippers were in the playoffs before Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They go and add pieces like that. 
Young teams like the Memphis Grizzlies start showing up. Devin Booker and Phoenix. All of a sudden, the West is even more competitive. So I think what we fail to look at when it comes to a team like the Blazers is the Blazers and Dame Lillard could be really good. But within the context of what what the Western Conference became, it's hard to maybe show that because there are so many other dominant teams. Utah had its run during that stretch as well with Donovan Mitchell. So I just think it was a really competitive conference. And I think that's a factor in what the Blazers were able to do. And I think that was a factor in their ceiling as well. The other thing that Ken said that I actually agreed with uh, way back at the beginning of his monologue was um, the ownership factor. I do think there comes a time in a team's window to, to, to win a championship where sometimes you need an owner to call everybody into a room, clunk everyone's heads together, and get everyone on the same page. And if you're hanging on to your guys too long, that's when the owner needs to say, look, we're done with this. You're moving on from this person. I sign the checks. I don't care if you don't like it. Get it done. Sometimes you need that. I think the 49ers need that with their whole quarterback situation. They haven't been able to find one in seven years under Kyle Shanahan, and it's because I think the owner is not doing what he should to get everybody on the same page. You have to have that. That's what a strong leader does, and the Blazers haven't because, unfortunately, Paul Allen died. Yeah, I think that's certainly a factor. I mean, like when you talk about heat culture – that's a real thing, the continuity, the consistency, and it starts from the top. Um, so I de- definitely think that can be a factor in what Portland has been able to do. But but this situation to me is really specific. Damian Lillard, who has flirted with wanting a trade for a while now, decides that he wants to be in Miami with his buddy Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's pretty specific. You know what I mean? Like That's not like let's necessarily put our heads together as much as it's like, what are we willing to take back in order to make this happen? Because we're going to lose, at least in the short term. I don't care if you get Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, and Duncan Robinson. It's not going to equate what you get with Damian Lillard. So, like, what makes us feel like we got something to build toward the future? Again, let's not ignore Scoot Henderson and the number two pick, number three pick in the NBA draft and what value he could have. Um, so, so I don't know, man. You can blame a lot of factors How about the fact that Damian Lillard was great in an era full of great players in that Western Conference, and as a result, the Blazers never really got their chance to compete for a championship? Both things can can be true, I think. And yes, multiple things can be true, and we struggle with that as sports fans and sports media, frankly. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive offers a great price and round-the-clock protection when bundling home and auto. It's one of those rare times when you could save money and get something great. Bundle today at Progressive.com. But I do think, going back to the ownership thing, I also think the owner can call Dame into the room. As soon as he starts waffling about his future, I call Dame into the room and I say, Dame, tell me right now, what's the most important thing to you? Winning a championship or staying in Portland? If the answer is staying in Portland, great. I know exactly where I stand. If the answer is winning a championship, guess what? We're not there right now. You just mentioned the state of the Western Conference at the time, right? They weren't able to going they weren't going to be able to compete with some of those teams in the Western Conference. Then the owner can say, "All right, thanks for everything. You're a great person. We'll do what we can for you, but this is over." But there was never there was never that sort of definitive stance by anybody, and so it took two extra years for this to happen. Wait, 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 wait. You, you you're saying Ownership should have walked into the room and said, we're trading Dane two years ago. 
ownership should have talked with Dame and said, right now you got to tell us whether you're in or out. I don't want to hear this waffling every season. I don't know. I might start to be unhappy. I got to know. Yeah, you can't do that with a top 10 guy. You can't. Why not? It's just not because you can't. Because at the end of the day, especially if you're a small market team, you don't know when you're going to get another chance at a guy like Dame. You, he controls everything. That's just the, that's just the way it is. To, to their detriment, at their expense, I get it. But you have to do everything you can to try to make him happy and assume, you know what, that'll make him want to stay. Dame has deep, deep ties in the city of Portland, way beyond basketball. But I don't think there's a world where you could have walked into the room and said, hey, man, if you're not all in, uh, we're getting rid of you. Not, not Damian Lillard. I sign the checks. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you're not trading Damian Lillard. You're just not. They're trading him now, but they're trading him now. He demanded the trade, though. Yeah? He demanded the trade. It's not like ownership walked in and said, we're done with you, Damian Lillard. He said, and in meeting with Monday, Joe Cronin, he said, you know what? I'm going to see what happens in free agency. Then a couple days later, he said, you know what? You all haven't done enough. I'm demanding a trade. So if Damian Lillard decided to stay, he he would stay. He's had the power because in this era, superstars have all the power. You're not going to go out and get another Damian Lillard. So you're trying to do your best to accommodate him. I think the focus has to be how do we put this franchise in a position where it can be competitive again in the next two, three, four years. I think they would have got a heck of a lot more for Damian Lillard if they had traded him at some point in the last two years and they're going to get now because everybody knows that he wants out. The Blazers have no leverage whatsoever. Who are you going to trade him for? Like what were you, what were you going to like what were you going to trade Damian Lillard for if the idea was we want to be a playoff team in the Western Conference and a conference full of superstars and we need to be competitive from a talent standpoint. Like who, what were you going to to get for a guy like that? Well, that you was like equal. you likely would have had to take a step back in the short term, but like you just said you weren't winning any championships then anyway. But, but you were still a playoff team. You were still a team, up until recent years, you were still a playoff team, and there was still the idea that if you added a few more pieces, Dame Lillard might be the guy who can lead you to a championship. Again, Golden State was out there. Who was better than them? Like, who do you add that puts you above that Golden State team? Who do you add that puts you above the Lakers when they were a championship-level team? So I, I don't know, man. I think they did what they could. This scene may be inevitable in the last year or so. But now you just got to try to do your best to come out on top. And we'll see if the Blazers can actually do it. I think they're going to get absolutely taken in this deal, and they'll probably be much worse off than they would have been if they had traded him at some point in the last few years. Straight ahead, ESPN Radio's Rankum is in full swing. We'll take a look back at some of the greatest lists we've seen so far. Plus, I still have to give you my stats to amaze your friends. We'll do that next. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats, Guerrero, Myron Metcalf filling in. Yeah. This is a banger. Yes, it is. What? Yes. One hundred percent. No, anything Schoolhouse Rock. Anything. I mean, look, I don't know anybody that dislikes Schoolhouse Rock, but I don't know if I'm putting it in banger territory. This everything came up, Schoolhouse Rock ever did. I don't know how this came up during one of the breaks. I'll tell you this: they invented the banger. <laughs> all right. Apparently. Well, how it came up to, if you want to know uh, stats, is we were talking about the biggest upset of all time, which is. The United States of America beating British in the Revolutionary War, and we were trying to figure out, you know, what the timing of that is, was in terms of the ending of the war, and then we got to uh, a song that Rachel knew that helped her remember. Well, that's Schoolhouse Rock. We know that. Yeah, that was the preamble yeah. for Schoolhouse Rock, and then it just went from there. Yeah, Should've my, my challenge the on the biggest upset. Yeah, that's no, okay. My biggest thing is like, do we know the odds? In, in 1776, British like, was minus five thousand, I believe. Was that was that really bigger than Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson? Like, good, what's well, the, that's a good point. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, War of eighteen twelve, though, I think was even was even tougher for us. I've lost control. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I've lost control here. Rocky over that. Ivan Drago is probably the greatest upset. Really, I will defer to that as well. Yes. Can someone tell me how he bleeds? The- the He's a Russian man. peasants got tickets to the greatest fight of the century. How did that happen in that movie? That never made sense to me. Well, they controlled everything. I mean, you know, once they put the fight in Russia, you know, they, they ran everything at that moment. So, Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Yeah. It's rank a month here. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you've heard various hosts across all the shows with top five lists throughout the day. They've done top five wide receivers, top five running backs. We don't get a rank them list today, Myron. First of all, what's up with that? I don't know, man. We obviously love lists around here. I, I thought we'd get one, but surprising. Tomorrow's surprising. list 
for people that actually get to do one is top five home field advantages in the NFL. And to me, I don't need five. There's only one, and it's very easy, and it's Arrowhead. When your stadium can be the loudest stadium in the league without being engineered to be loud like Seattle is, that's number one. And oh, by the way, you also have to play Patrick Mahomes when you get there. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's number one, right? It's not just the venue and the environment. It's having to face the best team in football within that environment. I think sometimes we talk about home field advantage and we separate the team. You know, and I think that leaves us with a lot of these ideas of like these old school teams that maybe once had this great home field advantage, but that's kind of gone away when the team has declined. But Arrowhead is the perfect merger of an incredible atmosphere and fan base and the greatest quarterback in the NFL. So it's it's terrible to play there. Three things I go into a good home field advantage. Volume, field conditions, and weather. If you have all three of those in your favor, you have a great home field. And that's obviously Kansas City and, and a couple other places too. Yeah, you got to add other things though, I think. Like Philly has a great home field advantage. Because their fans will fight you <laughs> before you ever get to your seat. So it's like, not only do they drown you out with noise, like they will physically approach you to make sure you understand where you are. So like, that's a different kind of home field advantage, honestly. There was a jail in their old stadium. Just saying, you know, yeah. that may be Listen, a factor. I'm in Minnesota and Vikings fans still talk about going to Philly for the NFC Championship. Uh, the 2017 season and like trying to walk to their cars and Philly fans wanting to fight them. Like it's still like they're still haunted and traumatized by Eagles fans uh, and how they were toward them. I actually have Minnesota on the list too. I think Minnesota has a great home field advantage. That stadium can get super loud. It was only one of six stadiums last year to get to 120 decibels. I think the Vikings have a sneaky good home field. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's helped them have a lot of success in the postseason, right? I think I think um, it gets big, it gets loud with the new building, but I think you have to have a combination of success in the postseason to really stand out as like a top two, three, four advantage. But it's a great building, uh, and it does get crazy in there since they built it. So I promised some stats to amaze your friends since we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson has done something that no one else has ever done in the history of the NFL, and that is catch 100 or more passes and average 14 yards a catch in back-to-back seasons. People do not understand how good Justin Jefferson is. He's on the Jerry Rice track, Myron. People here understand it. I mean, people in Minnesota get it because, you know, when he surpassed some of the records established by Randy Moss, who I think is the most talented player in NFL history. This terms of just raw talent on a field, it's him. Um, so people understand Justin Jefferson and kind of the lane he's in. And to be on that Jerry Rice track, I don't think people understand like how far ahead Jerry Rice is than everybody else. You know, it's amazing for Justin Jefferson to start, but like then it's like age 32 and beyond, you got to catch up with a guy like Jerry Rice. So it's hard to imagine anybody ever matching him. But I think Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I think that, to me, has already been established. If you want to know how far ahead Jerry Rice is, the closest active player to Jerry Rice, I believe, is Julio Jones. If you took all the yards Julio Jones has and you gave him all the yards that Travis Kelsey has, he'd still be 2,000 yards behind Jerry Rice. 
That's how far ahead Jerry Rice is. It's amazing, man. I remember at one point, uh, you know, there have been a couple of receivers who maybe had 11,000, 12,000 yards in their career. And it was like, you could have four 2,000 yard seasons and you still wouldn't catch Jerry Rice. <laughs> like, it's a different, it's a whole different thing with him. But I do think Justin Jefferson has emerged as the wide receiver of the NFL, the top guy in the league, pay him every dime he's worth. And I think he's the building block of the Minnesota Vikings, no matter what happens in the future with Kirk Cousins. Last one really quickly, since we're talking Vikings wide receivers, I want to go to former Vikings wideouts, Stephon Diggs. Nobody in the league has caught more passes over the last three years, and only Devontae Adams has accounted for a higher percentage of his team's receiving yards. So I can't figure out what exactly Stephon Diggs is upset about right now in Buffalo, but it can't be not seeing the football because nobody has seen it more than him since he's got there. It's such a weird thing, you you know, and hearing Josh Allen talk, Josh kind of took it on himself and said, you know, we got some things to work out, but I I don't see where Stephon Diggs believes he can go, believes he can go to your point uh, and be more involved in in a team's offense, in a contender's offense. Yes. Maybe it's something petty because I know from his time in Minnesota, that dude is certainly the type to take one small issue and make it a big thing. But let's be honest. He'll be out there this fall. He loves the spotlight. He loves being involved. And no one can give him that opportunity more than the Buffalo Bills. I hope you're right because I like to see them make another run at it. They're so good. The defense is good. I love Sean McDermott as a head coach. So, Stephon Diggs, come on home. Just get over it. You're in a great spot, arguably the best spot in the league. Figure it out. Switch gears coming up next here. One of the most anticipated debuts of the past decade is going to happen on Friday. What are reasonable expectations? Myron's going to tell you next. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Rob Stats, Guerrero, Myron Metcalf. In for the boys, presented by Progressive Insurance. Myron, banger? Yeah. Yes! Lizzo, that's Lizzo, definitely. No, she's from Minnesota, so anything Lizzo does is is banger. So I'm biased on that. Any Lizzo song, I would have said, is a banger. I was all excited. Now I feel like you cheapened it a little bit. They shot down my other Lizzo song, so. (laughs) Listen, I'm, I'm biased. I'm biased. Oh, this is the best part. Just yeah. walk your bonnets out the door. Oh, come on. It's, it's good, man. It's outstanding. All right. Little Somebody else icon. who's feeling good as hell right now. Spurs fans. Because guess what, Myron? Victor Wembanyama is going to make his summer league debut on Friday. Yeah. You can't be more excited about it. But I actually saw an interesting quote from Draymond Green, who was on Podcast P with Paul George. And Draymond said, people are setting up Wembanyama for failure Quote, it's hard to become an NBA All-Star in this league. Now, if he does, God be with him. More power to you. But to say he's going to be an All-Star next year, as if he don't have to figure this game out, I don't really buy that. I think he will be special. But an All-Star next year, I think that's a bit much. Do you agree with Draymond? Yeah, I think it'll take uh, Victor some time. You know, But, I mean, I do think all the buzz is real. It's not like this is some dude coming out of high school and no one's seen him. He's been playing at the international level for years. Uh, There's been a lot of time to scrutinize him. I had a chance to see him versus Scoot Henderson in uh, Las Vegas in September, and that was an incredible ride. I mean, you had Devin Booker and Chris Paul and all of these NBA guys there. 
He had seven threes in the second half of his first game, went for 30-plus in the second game. I mean, he's he's everything you think at seven foot four, just the way he plays. We, we say a lot of times, man, we've never seen anything like this. And most <laughs> times in sports, we're lying, right? But I do think, you know, that title fits Victor Wimbanyama because at his size and the way he plays, it's just such a unique thing. And I'm so excited to see him Friday, even though, I mean, for all we know, they might play him five minutes, you know, but just the way he moves at that size, he's going to be a problem. If he can stay healthy, he is going to be a great player. I think the question becomes, Dads, can he reach the ceiling if people think he is supposed to be the greatest thing ever? Like, is it even possible for him to really satisfy everybody considering all the buzz? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty confident he'll be a great player. No, it's not possible. And it's annoying that we have done this to him because he doesn't deserve it. Chris Broussard said, if he becomes Akeem Olajuwon, that's a disappointment. Number one, that's a shot at Olajuwon, who's one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. But number two, like, what are we even talking about? The absurdity of that. So in that, according to that logic, that means Wembenyama could be a Hall of Famer and still be a disappointment. That's insanity. Well, yeah, Chris Broussard said it, then, yeah, that's fact. I, I think um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think comparing especially big guys to other big guys is problematic, right? Like Akeem and Shaq, leave those dudes alone. You know, don't ever reference Bill Russell or, or Wilt Chamberlain. Like, let those dudes be who they are. What I do think is safe to say is we've never seen a seven foot four athlete in the NBA like Victor Wimbanyama. I don't think you can compare him to an Akeem or anyone like that because this dude can handle the ball like a guard. He can hit threes in traffic like a shooting guard, a small forward in this league. He's not some back-to-the-basket skyhook dude. I think that's what makes him different. He fits the profile of the current NBA big man, except he takes it to a whole different level. What I hope, my biggest thing is give him time to develop. He needs more size on his frame. He has to learn the NBA game. The European game is a lot different than the NBA game. So that transition may take some time. But the skills, all of that is there already. And I think if he stays healthy, you'll be able to see that Friday. I'm not saying he's going to put up 40 points. But right away, when I saw him in Vegas stats, like right away you were like, okay, I've never seen this before. (laughs) And I think the general public on Friday will see the same thing. Here's the problem for for him, though, is that – First of all, we're going to have no patience whatsoever. If he doesn't make the All-Star game That's this fair. year, That's true. people are going to crush him. Second of all, because of all this hype and all this buildup, he's going to go into games in the NBA and guys are going to be looking to stick it to him because they're going to be saying, oh, this is the guy I've been hearing so much about. All right, young fella, here's what we got for you. Let me show you a little something about the NBA game. I feel like he's going to get everybody's best shot more than a, a, another rookie might. He will. Let me tell you what I saw in Vegas. Can I tell you what I saw with him? Sure. In the second half of this game, multiple possessions, he played point guard. Now, I'm <laughs> not absurd. talking, I'm not talking, you know, clumsy, I can't handle the ball point guard. I'm talking legitimate point guard, coming off screens, seeing the floor, making the right pass. That's different. I'll tell you what else I saw in that game. He had seven three-pointers 
in the second half like a Steph Curry would hit him. He wasn't shooting him. Nothing against your Jokic's and guys like that who could hit him. It wasn't like this set shot. It was in traffic, coming off screens. Like, there just hasn't been anybody like him. So they may want to stick it to him, but his skill set is unlike anything they've seen. Uh, and I do think he has the chance to legitimately change that position if he stays healthy. Sure, as long as we keep throwing seven-foot guys that can play point guard, I'm sure we'll be rolling them out there soon. I mean, he's dude. He's... I mean, some guys kind of do it. This is a different thing, and people will see that Friday. I hope so, because it's better for everybody if he's good. Like You can be rude against him because of all the hype, but don't do that. He deserves time to develop, and hopefully he will. Straight ahead, the Sixers got to figure out what to do with James Harden, but they have a lot more to worry about than that. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Andy and Carlin, the podcast.